Welcome to Kingsway's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Comes back to me, and my dad likes some cars, and yeah, that was surprises. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that knowledge that somebody's taking all that time and effort and thought about you, isn't it? When you know, it's not just a bunch of flowers from from the BP garage, or, you know, that thoughtfulness, really. Anything else? <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, cuddles and kisses, lots of touch, and Sophie's a very tactile, isn't she? She's That's her love language, cuddles and kisses. Um, so she's going to really miss the cat, because uh, she was a very cuddly, kissy cat, wasn't she? Yeah. Okay, so those are some of the ways in which we like to receive love. So I thought, well, you know... Where do you start with a subject like this? So I started with Jesus. I thought, well, it's always good to start with Jesus, isn't it? Good place to start. Especially since he said, I want you to love each other just as much as I've loved you. So he's actually saying, look at my love, and that's what your love will be like. Which, you know, for most of my life, that was a big challenge. I mean, that was a sort of scary thing. Good gracious, having to live up to that. But we see that differently now, don't we, which... I'll talk a bit about. Um, so, what did Jesus' love look like? One or two ideas. Come on, one or two more ideas. Jesus' love, what does that look like? What well, saw, does it look like? He saw the best in people. Oh, yes, he saw the best, the best in people. Even though um, the badness, if you want, was covering them, he could see through yeah. to what they, were, what they were really like. Yeah. And, he was, and he was honest honest enough to deal with that outer stuff. Yeah, did you see hear that? He saw the best in people and he dealt with gently with the outer stuff, didn't he, to, to sort of reveal that, that that good core. Anybody anybody else? Love of Jesus. Danny. Very practical and tangible. It, you know, as you say, it looked like something. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't airy-fairy, that's right. Um, yeah, that's why I said at the beginning, let's ground it, because I loved Bishop Michael's talk, um, you know, the passion, the fire and so on, but I thought, you know, it's the little individual things, isn't it? And I want to talk a little bit about that with Jesus. Um, so, I thought, well, I'll just take three things that have kind of struck me recently about the way he loved and you know it's my way of seeing it my way of looking at it you might have a different way and that's absolutely fine um i'm definitely not up here to sort of say you know hear ye the truth or anything like that i think it's pretty true though i mean i was talking to him about it so i think you know there'll be some truth in there so jesus love looked encouraging so that's just what you were saying ken there um you know the minute he clapped eyes on simon the fisherman he looked at him and i know he looked him in the eye and he just said you are peter oh look at you you are peter it's like looking right to the center isn't it and saying you're peter you're a rock you're strong and sturdy and you know peter didn't actually simon peter didn't actually live that out the rest of the time that we know know his life did he um 
you know, he did let Jesus down, but Jesus, did, you know, spoke to him. He gave him an identity right at the beginning. And there's another little story just right at the beginning of John's Gospel, again, so back in John's Gospel, um, with Nathaniel, you know, and Nathaniel, of course, is sort of bad mouthing Nazareth. You know, oh, good grief, what could, what good thing could come from Nazareth? You know, he must be a plonker kind of thing. Um, and, you know, Jesus just looks at him and he says, you know, Nathaniel, you're an honest man with no hidden motive. Probably what he's saying, your mouth's a bit too big for it, really. But, you know, you're an honest man. What he tells you, you know, you say it as it is, Nathaniel, you're honest. And, you know, Nathaniel was just completely undone, wasn't he? You know, he's sort of more like saying, you, wow, you're the Messiah, you know, woo. And it's that looking into and seeing what is there under the surface, right? You could have done this talk, Nathaniel. You missed the last talk I did. It was great. It was all about you. It was every bit about you. Wasn't it a good talk? Yeah. Yeah, it was fabulous, honestly. So I'm just waiting for you to do the next talk about me then, and then it'll be, you know, even Stevens. Uh, right, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this actually was a bit of the Andy story that um, Irving didn't tell, so they kind of overlap. So when he um, got this interview... Um, for this recent job, he rang me and he said, but mum, he said, you know, I'm hopeless at, you know, ed- education. He said, I, you know, I never passed the exams. He said, and what am I going to do? He says, I, I can't teach anybody. He's, I'm, I'm, yeah. And I said, oh, just wait a minute, wait a minute. And um, I'll ring you back, I said. And I ran to the that little filing system, grabbed the three-page Ivan and Isabel Allen. If you've never come across them and you ever get a chance, just go, because they are the most wonderful, encouraging, prophetic people. So this, this prophecy that they had given him at the age of 15, and he's now t- 29, um, and I'm flicking through it, and I thought, and you will teach. I see you doing teaching. You will be a person motivating other people. So I thought, right, so I rang you up and said, guess what it says here, you know, remember that prophecy? It says, and he said, ooh, I think that's the sign. I thought, yes, absolutely. But you know, God spoke those words over him um, 15 years ago. And those words were there, and they were there to just touch him and say, yes. said he says something else like um oh i can't remember he's it was oh yes writing he's hopeless at writing he's actually quite good verbally if you've ever talked to our Andy, you will realize he's very good verbally um and can explain his ideas and so on but he can't put it on paper and so he said but what about the writing i'm going to really struggle with that so i said just hold on a minute now just sort of click 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 oh yes just it says, and I see you doing writing, lots and lots of writing. <laughs> so he was just dumbfounded then. I just kind of, all right, mother, quit, I quit, I quit. Right, I'll do it. I'll go for the interview. Um, so there's that encouragement, you know, there's that seeing who you are and calling you forth, calling forth your, your destiny. Um, and, you know, ups and downs in the middle of it, but it's there. That word is there and it doesn't change. Right, so that's one thing I liked about the way Jesus loves people. Um, recently, I read this little article um, about a company, um, quite a big company, that was worried that its employees were not happy. <laughs> Which 
could have been for various reasons, I suppose. So they 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 um, they found um, someone to come in and to do some research as to what would um, increase the happiness levels of this, you know, the the workers. So I did this research and. The most potent, um, the most potent sort of element to producing happiness in the people was being kind to other people, actually doing things for other people. You know, being compassionate and looking out for the people actually came back to them and made them feel really good and really happy. And you know, Jesus actually nailed that, didn't he? 2,000 and odd years before when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive Um, and that word blessed is just a fabulous word, I mean it means contentment, it means bliss, it means happiness and joy and being fortunate so in other words Jesus was saying you know when you give, when you show compassion, when you um, you know when you show love, when you love other people Actually, that's a source of bliss and joy and contentment. Um, yeah, so we're doing, our, doing ourselves a favour as well as the other person, basically. You know, I was saying before about Jesus looking into people's eyes and, you know, you, you can imagine that piercing look, but that look of love, you know, and it was a very deep depth of compassion, really, that Jesus had. Um, I was reading... <laughs> I was reading the other day um, a book about um, being a parent and bringing children up. Now, I never thought at the age of 68 I would have been doing that. That was not something I was really expecting. But there you go. That's life, isn't it? So, one or two little issues. I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that book will be helpful. And there was, a, there was like a definition of loving a child in this, in this book. Um, and I liked it. I just liked it. And it's, I haven't got the whole definition, but basically it was saying being present with your child without thinking about what I could be doing instead, what I'm going to do next, um, how many more minutes have I got to spend doing this rather boring activity together and then I can get on with my own thing. Um, so being present with them in a, in a, in a way that you know, gives, gives them your full attention. Um, and then at the end of the little quote it said without judgment or need to change them without judgment or need to change and I thought you know that is just so like Jesus that's just so like Jesus he gives you his full attention he looks you in the eye and he doesn't say oh you got to change that amazingly though we do change amazingly we do change because we want to change because he calls for that better that's within us and you know we think with him you know I don't have to be like this anymore I can be better than this I can and he frees us to do that doesn't he so yes we do change but it's not because he's condemning us yeah it's out of his love drawing forth that best in us right okay yeah, it was really funny. As I'm preparing that and I'm writing that down, thinking, oh, so profound. Sophie comes in and she's yatty, 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 And I'm just thinking, oh, Sophie, just go away for the moment. I'm just doing this really important 
important. And then you just sort of stop the book. Put it down, put the book down, sit there. What, what did you say? Look, I'm getting my full attention. Full, full, full attention. And uh, I don't know if I've done that, if I hadn't been actually preparing this, preparing the sermon, but I thought, yeah, I will do that. And uh, yeah. Uh, ben Dean had um, a dream that changed his life. Um, and he's told this story a few times because he was the he was a youth worker at the time and um, I think he felt by the time it felt a need to sort of make sure they were travelling in the right direction not falling off the track and so on and in this dream um, he went up to a young man in the youth who you know had various issues and um, he put his arm around him and started to sort of you know counsel him and the, the young man just turned around to him and said Ben, don't try to change me. Just love me. And that lad was our Andy, actually. And, you know, I think that's what Jesus' love does. He loves us. And in the midst of that, we change. We're different. And like Irving said, you know, we see such a change in, in Andy as well. And he wouldn't attribute it to Jesus, but... He might actually, you know, I think down there he probably does, but... Compassion is, you know, Jesus' compassion was very gentle, very, um, d- just deep concern. But that concern also had an edge to it, because I love this, this, um, I was talking to him the other, the other, well, a while back now, about that story, you know, where he got angry, and he doesn't get angry that many places in the New Testament, so I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's interesting. So I asked him, I said, Jesus, why did you get angry? And... Uh, just a little bit of background to this. The place where he got angry and did all the kicking and the, you know, throwing apart and the whipping and stuff and um, was the court of the Gentiles. So that was the place where God had given the Gentiles um, the opportunity to meet with him. So it was a place that was meant to be a place of intimacy where they could worship God. So these were foreigners who came quite a distance, usually, um, to worship God. And it was just this place of noise and, you know, chaos and shouting and yelling and bartering. Um, And the other thing about it was that the... When the Gentiles came from a distance, they couldn't bring their own lamb or their own pigeon or whatever, you you know. So they had to um, buy an animal. And they had to buy the animal with the special coins that you got in the temple. And, of course, what they were doing was charging massive amounts for these animals. A bit like, you know, you you, you see the ticket online and it's £100, and then you go to some other site and it's like £300, you know, that sort of thing. Massive markups. And so so, so they were losing out. Um, So I said to him, what what do you think about it, Jesus? And he said, this is what I thought. This is why I was angry. He said, first of all, a place of intimacy had become a place of commerce and wheeling and dealing. And then he said this, I was angry at the injustice. The Gentiles are as beloved to me as the Jews. They had travelled many miles to worship me. I loved their hearts and they were being sidelined, treated with contempt. And, you know, he gets angry at injustice. He gets angry um, at... You know, when, when, the, when the vulnerable are being badly treated, 
right? His compassion has a burning edge, a bit like, you know, Pastor Michael, Bishop Michael was saying, that burning. Um, and I think that's part of his compassion that he wants us to embrace. And I know that that is happening in lots of us, that we are seeing these areas of injustice that need confronting, um, you know, that need people to speak out uh, against them. Um, and we can do that in different ways. We can speak out. We can support and give gifts, which we have done recently um, to the Christians in Syria through Open Doors. We can pray as well. Um, gosh, how many years have we been praying for pe- for young people who've been suffering injustice, Sarah? 20 years, right? And, you know, it was those in, the, in northern Nigeria who were being forced to, to fight wars that they you know, that they didn't belong to them. Um, and then it was um, the traffic, whole trafficking situation that we've, been, that we've prayed about and prayed about. And that's another way of showing compassion, um, to pray. And Jesus prayed a lot. We don't know exactly what he prayed mostly, but he prayed. Um, so that was, that was another area for showing love. The third area, um, and the last one, is... Something that only struck me recently as I was, funnily enough, as I was thinking about the cat died. I don't know why. (laughs) Because I felt, when the cat died, I thought, well, why am I so sad? And why is this kind of so painful? And I thought, well, I let that little cat into my heart. (laughs) If you're not an animal lover, you'll start thinking, oh, here we go. But um, if you, well, I did. And she was... She gave me a lot, all of us, a lot of love and a lot of affection. And um, and I suppose I opened my heart to that cat. And I thought, that's why I was so upset. Had she been, had I been on a farm and it had been a cat that was a, a ratter, you know, and lived outside and so on, I probably had just thought... Just, just another cat, you know. Oh, well, that's a shame. But, but she actually became part of my life, and I let her into my life. Uh, I became, and that's what made me think, really, that Jesus actually became vulnerable, and he loved. His love looked like vulnerability. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought this, but you know, Jesus becoming a person was kind of the equivalent of, um, you know, somebody saying to us, now, I've got a really important job for you to do. It's it's a vital job, and so, you know, I'm entrusting it with you, and all you have to do is be born as a mouse. Would that be okay? Now, you'll have all the risks of, you know, being a mouse and uh, being a baby, being brought up by a not very good, maybe mother mouse, or she might be all right. Um, and it may be that, you know, you'll, you'll get the rat, rat catcher, the mouse catcher, or it may be that there'll be predators, there might be hawks and so on. But would you be happy to do that? And honestly, I just, I believe it's, it, Jesus becoming a person from being a god was a lot more difficult than us being becoming a mouse. Okay? So, what I'm saying there, you're all looking right puzzled there. So, but anyway, just a thought, just thought, you know, just chuck it out if you think that's not helpful. Um, what 
made me think was that Jesus became vulnerable, very vulnerable, right from the moment he was born, really. Um, he was utterly dependent on his mum and dad. He was utterly dependent on, on them keeping him safe, and it wasn't a very safe place to be born, actually, especially for him. Um, so there was, there was that vulnerability about Jesus right from the very beginning. Um, and then, you know, as he started sort of teaching people and stuff, he decided that he would be very vulnerable with 12 ordinary, flawed, kind of not that bright sometimes men. Um, and he took them on board and he poured his life into them. Um, and he... Uh, right from the beginning of his ministry that Judas would betray him we don't know but we do know that that part of the way through Jesus did know that someone would betray him maybe he didn't know it was Judas but he knew someone would betray him and he told his disciples that that they would and yet there's no evidence that Jesus ever treated Judas differently from the others there's no evidence that he withdrew in any way from him he guarded his heart he put up any defences um, in fact Judas continued to be the uh, treasurer um, so he was like a trusted, the trusted man um, and this is, you know, that, that Passion Bible is just awesome Oh, if you've not got the Passion Bible buy a copy of the Passion Bible, it is brilliant the little footnotes are so wonderful, some of them and yeah, so when Jesus at the Last Supper um, gave Judas, you know, the bread dipped in the wine, I'd always thought, oh, it's kind of sign, you know, it was a sign, um, you know, there you are, um, go and do what you have to do kind of thing and be off. But it wasn't like that at all. Um, dipping the bread in the wine and giving it to another person at the table was a sign of intimate friendship. You only did that to your very closest and most intimate friends, the people you really loved, the people you really trusted. And, you know, I thought right there, as Jesus knew what Jesus was about to do, he was holding out this, 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 this bread of friendship. And maybe in Jesus' heart, you know, you don't know what, what was going on. Maybe he was thinking, Judas, you could change right now. You could just choose not to do it. And God can fulfill that prophecy somehow else. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. But all I know is that Jesus had utter love for Judas in his heart when he gave him that bread. And in fact, it says that Jesus was moved about Jesus' emotions, does it, in the Bible? Um, you know, he cried when Lazarus died, and he, I think he was, he cried over Jerusalem, but there are not many sort of um, examples, but here it says he was moved and touched, and um, it's, it was a mixture, the word is a, a mixture of deep emotion and of um, 
just just loving feeling really um, and that was what he felt towards Judas um, and that just sort of really yeah, impressed me I must admit because it's so hard to remain vulnerable when you're faced with rejection or criticism um, or betrayal isn't it you know um, because what you tend to do is become spiky and angry and kind of critical or you become cold and withdrawn and critical but you know you're still pretty critical normally um, but there was no offence in Jesus and there were no barriers that he put up there um, and I think that's because he could look beyond the rejection and the criticism and the um, and the hatred and he could see who he truly was that he was the beloved son the delight of the father you know that was what really defined him that was his total identity um, and uh, I mean again in the passion in any bible I mean they're all pretty good uh, but especially in the passion if you read John 14 and 15 I think it is you know that long prayer of Jesus just talking to father you know father you've seen how I've protected them you've seen how I've looked after them you know I've kept those who we love and oh it's almost like it's almost embarrassing overhearing this very intimate prayer this very intimate conversation between Jesus and dad you know and that was where he was all the time that's what where he was all the time I'm sure there were times when he felt lonely he felt annoyed he felt um, frustrated I mean he was a human being and so he wasn't living in this cloud of you know woo la la land kind of thing but he did know who he was um, he knew to the core of his being that he was utterly passionately tenderly endlessly loved and how he loved other people and that's how he loves us and that's how we can love each other not by as I thought for so many years trying so hard keep repenting keep saying I'm sorry sorry Jesus oh I really blew that one oh I really messed that up oh I did to say that sorry I'll try harder next time it's completely different way around isn't it for us um, and <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but when Sharon spoke, she started, didn't she, being so honest? She started being so honest. She said, when Alan asked me to say this, do this talk, she said, I said, no, I'm not doing it. I don't feel I'm in a place to do it. I haven't been very loving recently. I've been very ratty. I've been very, you know, she said, I just don't feel I can. Um, and in the end, you know, God convinced her that it was okay because it was what he was saying. But actually, I think there's more than that. You know, he wanted Sharon to do it because she actually is the most amazingly loving people person we know. And yet, she made mistakes. Yet, she missed the mark. She didn't hit the target. That's my favourite um, definition of sin. I love that definition of sin. It's just not quite getting the bullseye, not quite making the target. And that's us, isn't it? We don't always hit the target. We don't always hit the bullseye. You know, I think one of one of the things that I've discovered anyway is that the the more I know, and Sharon touched on this, the, the the more I know who I really am, 
the easier it is to love other people. Um, I had a real difficult time at school. Poor Jane, that was so... <laughs> that, was, that was just so my experience as well. I had a difficult time. And I came out of school actually feeling I was rubbish. Um, but I didn't think I was rubbish at, like... You know, I, I was good academically, so that was my big thing I can achieve that way. But as far as I was concerned as a person, I was rubbish. But you cover it over, don't you? And I did. And years later, um, I remember uh, Jackie Price coming up to me. And this was at a, at a, um, a conference that we were at, you know, we have gone away for the weekend. And uh, it was one of those touchy-feely sessions where you got someone and say, oh, Sarah, I just really appreciate you. I really do. I mean, I'm not being, I'm, I'm not being cynical. I mean, I'm really not. <laughs> well, a bit maybe, but... But no, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you the impression of how I felt at the time. And so Jackie comes up to me and she says, Sue, I just really appreciate you. And I said, okay, Jackie, just name three things that you appreciate me for. Three things, go on. <laughs> and poor Jackie, I mean, you can imagine the, the touchy feelingness of it all. And she's kind of, and she did, she, you know, bless her. She, she came up with three. But I wasn't convinced I was sorry not at that point anyway and it, you know then there was a process really of me realizing and just Paula Jane said the same thing before um, that I was believing a load of lies about myself you know stuff that people have put on me messages that were not true and that I believed you know you don't belong right? you know Paula was saying you're not good enough you're a nobody you're a failure your fault likeable, you're not lovable you're on your own in this there's nobody there for you all loads of lies that actually cause us to be defensive cause us to be reactive and cause us to sh put the barriers up so we are protected not many people they will remember Paul Simon but he did write a very good song about this talking about being a rock and an island and a rock can feel no pain and an island never cries and built walls to protect me but the trouble is the same walls that protect you actually keep love out keep other people's love and God's love out so finally as I sum up let's ask God to show us what the lies are first of all let's say I'm not believing that anymore we have a great thing in Sozo well, this is Irving you know how sort of Irving is dynamic and you know moving because I think the person is looking totally I'm trying to think of another way of saying it but um, articulate no it's not that no no it's like you guys to do, let's just you know like animated that's animated so so it, there, there is a sort of moment in, in um, usually in Sozo where we say to the person okay let's just renounce that lie and so you know I renounce the lie I put her in so brush it off come on shake it off oh, get rid of it it's great I mean you should have a Sozo just for that bit I mean it's wonderful um, and you, you might even end up on the trampoline with Irving. That was one Sozo, wasn't it? Do you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got a trampoline anymore, though, so 
You missed that one, I'm afraid. <sighs> Never mind. It was a man that he was on the trampoline with, by the way. It was, you know. So <laughs> you pick a Oh gosh, I, I think I might be getting myself into deeper water. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, right? So get rid of the lights. <laughs> yeah, say not believing that anymore. Utter rubbish. Get out, devil, and anybody else that might have. Well, you've forgiven anybody else. <laughs> I think you can tell it's the last on the, on the sort of final um, trap here. And then let's allow God to replace those lies with the truth um, and choose to live in the truth. And that is just quite simple, really. It's quite simple. But you know, as we do that, we create space in our heart for the love of God. It's not that he loves us anymore. It's just that we have more room for him. Um, and you know, the, the, again, the Passion Bible. Sorry, I do keep going on about this. But in the Passion Bible, when um, you know, when Jesus talks about like you becoming a Christian, it's a bit that's a bit religious sort of speak now, isn't it? That sort of becoming a Christian. Um, what he says is, um, prepare a home in your heart for the love of God. To prepare, have a, no, not prepare, just just you know, have a home in your heart for God's love and the trouble is that when there are a lot of lies there it's like the house is so <laughs> like new house you know <laughs> so there's love in it but there's not a lot of room there for it but as you get rid of those lies and as you as, as you as you embrace the truth then you just get a mansion that's prophecy for your mansion or something big farmhouse you get a big farmhouse okay we go for a big farmhouse Sorry, I'm sorry that was like an insult, Jackie. But anyway, that's how I feel. Um, random, a bit random. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's it. I think I'm just getting a bit woozy now. So, you're right. That's it. My thoughts on loving each other. I love you all. We hope this message blessed you. If you're hungry for the more of God. If you want to be equipped to live the normal Christian life 24-7, see miracles, walk in healthy relationships, and discover Christ in you, then why don't you head over to www.idestiny.org.uk. iDestiny is Kingsway's five-month full-time ministry and discipleship school, starting both in March and September every year. For more information on Kingsway Church, please visit www.kwcm.org. And for more information about our destiny, please visit www.idestiny.org.uk. Have a great day.